Welcome to the Swine Health Black Belt Podcast, the latest swine health research digested for you. Swine Health Black Belt Podcast is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like Elbiotics, the postbiotic pioneer that helps maintain a healthy gut in pigs. Beringer Ingelheim, through innovative solutions, cutting-edge research, and world-class experts, Beringer Ingelheim helps producers operate with complete confidence. Learn more at swineresource.com. United Animal Health, scientifically better. Learn more at unitedamh.com. Get your full value from start to finish with Ilanco. At JBI, we apply biosecurity innovation and expertise to keep your operations safe. My name is Dr. Clayton Johnson, and I'm the host of the Swine Health Black Belt Podcast. And joining me in our illustrious podcast studios this week is Dr. Pablo Pinheiro, Associate Professor at Iowa State University College of Veterinary Medicine and a pathologist at the Iowa State University Veterinary Diagnostic Lab. Dr. Pinheiro, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Clayton. Thank you for your invitation. A pleasure to, to be in your podcast today. Well, let's dive right into it. Um, you've done a lot of work, Dr. Pinheiro, um, with you know diagnosing and managing porcine circovirus type 2, a disease that swept through the industry all uh, right at 15 years ago now um, and caused a lot of heartache for producers, but an amazing success story in terms of disease management with how quickly we developed diagnostic assays and uh, vaccines that ultimately helped us to manage the disease at the industry level. So talk to us a little bit about um, your history with PCV2. Um, what do we know about the virus and why is it important for pig producers at all to pay attention to? So as you mentioned, I mean, it's perhaps one of the most uh, successful history in veterinary vaccines. Um, and that makes it really interesting because uh, the diagnostic work has changed prior and after the vaccine. Everyone that had been in practice before the, the vaccine, we know how devastating was the disease, but perhaps how easy it was to make the diagnosis. It was a really a clinical diagnosis with some confirmations on, on etiology and morphological changes, but that was pretty much it. We, we could make a really quick diagnosis. Uh, but now, with the vaccine, the scenario has changed because we can't prevent the disease. We don't, we don't see those rampage of PNWS or how we call it now PCVD, we don't see that anymore, but the virus is still there. So then the, the, the question and, and the main problem that we have today is to make a right diagnosis, the right interpretation of this PCV2 detection. So that's perhaps for us as diagnosticians is one of the problems. And the problem also started when samples get submitted to 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 the diagnostic lab because what is triggering this submission? Is there a real clinical presentation? There is just a few pigs that are being affected. Uh, so perhaps the whole problem is to start with the right question. What do I want to learn? Do I want to make the diagnosis of PCBAD in my farm? Do I want to make the diagnosis of PCBAD in one of two pigs? I want to understand the epidemiology of PCB2 that is endemic in my farm. I want to understand when I have to apply my vaccine based on the dynamic of the virus. So all those questions and much more need to be asked before we start the, the, any, any diagnosis, ethnological, epidemiological. So that's what perhaps one of the big problems that we have today is we don't have the right question that need to be asked. 
for some diseases, uh, all I need is a PCR to say, you know, is the pathogen present or not present? And I can infer disease from that. But with uh, PCB2, it's an endemic agent, as you mentioned. It's a virus that we expect all bigs to get exposed to, from, you know, the healthiest bigs in our industry all the way to the most health-challenged. We expect all bigs to be infected. Uh, but as we know, infection does not necessarily equal disease. Pinks can be infected but have no real PMWS or PCBAD clinical signs. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, guidelines for diagnosis in that situation. How do we uh, interpret the results with nuance and skill to help differentiate infection from disease with circovirus? So what you mentioned is, is certainly right. In, 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 in an endemic, and mostly in an endemic virus, as deal with detection of the virus, it doesn't mean causation. It is there. And what we need to perhaps put together is here is a puzzle. You need to put together the clinical data, the presence of the lesions, and the detection of the virus. So, for example, I'll give you an example. We have uh, animals that being vaccinated, and you do a PCR, and they come back positive. But when you search for lesions, there's no lesions. When you talk with a clinician, and there is there a clinical cell, there's no. So right there, you have a detection that doesn't mean anything clinically. You're detecting a virus that isn't there. So now, you you need we need to understand those variations within this vaccinated context. So. We know that the virus can diminish the viremia, it can diminish the virus in the tissue, but it's not going to sterilize the virus. It's not going to be absolutely zero. So even with vaccinated animals, we still find positive by PCR. So what do we do next? Okay, now we need to fight for the next step. Is presence of lesions. Is my vaccine failing? And it's not really preventing. So now the virus is causing lesions. So I need to find those lesions. The presence of interstitial pneumonia, the presence of lymphadenitis, uh, the presence of interstitial arthritis. Well, I just mentioned a few lesions that are characteristic. And with that, you have to keep in mind what tissues are you going to select to submit the sample. Now, I got the lesions. I, I need one more piece of confirmation, which is the presence of the virus within those. And in order to chemical, in order to chemistry, historically, was the tools that we used. So, presence of the lesion, presence of the virus within the lesion. Now we can add, we have more sensible uh, technique for direct detection. We can add in situ realization. So, it would be another, another tool to, to do this. But again, to call the disease, we have to have those uh, parameters the clinical disease, lesions, and the confirmation within the lesion. Something that I haven't even discussed here is back in today, we use clinical data. So, how long, how long these animals were, uh, I had increased mortality, what how animals that were under performance? I don't know if that data is being even considered today to make the diagnosis. So, I, I think that those are the main things that we need to consider to make PCB, AD, or PMWS. Let's talk a little bit about in situ hybridization. Um, it's a, uh, an assay that we don't use commonly. Um, and as I understand it, it's an assay where there again needs to be a little nuance in interpretation. Um, could you talk to us a little bit about the differences between in situ hybridization and immunohistochemistry? And then in what situations for a circovirus diagnosis, would you lean towards IHC versus in situ hybridization or vice versa? The, the, 
final goal is the same. Both IHC, immunostate chemistry, or situation, both are going to give you the direct detection. The, the difference is what are those techniques detect? The IHC is detecting uh, a protein, an amino acid. So, and the situ irritation is detecting nucleic acid. In a sense, a situ irritation is like a PCR in a tissue where you can see it. So the limit of detections is going to change. So the amount of virus that, that you may detect with a PCR, it could be similar with the one that you can detect with, with in situ irritation. It's not the same with AHC. That is why sometimes cases that have a really high CT value above 30, 32, your IHC came back negative. It's because the amount of virus there is not enough. But the CT realization is way more sensible and you will be able to detect by direct detection in those perhaps higher CT cases. That would be the, the, the difference and that will give me the indication where I would prefer to use one or another. Because you have to consider the price as well. The CT realization is way more, more expensive than C. So it sounds like start with IHC, and if you have a relatively high CT on your PCR and the IHC is negative, but you really think it's still PCBAD, NC2 hybridization would be a next diagnostic assay to consider. Exactly. That, that is what I will plan to do. How about sequencing of circoviruses? Um, you know, we've heard through the years that the, the, the most dominant genomic strains that are circulating have shifted from 2A to 2B to 2D. Apparently, we skipped 2C in there, thankfully. Seems to have kind of settled into 2D. But what are you seeing for field samples coming in to be sequencing? Are you still seeing a lot of PCB2 sequencing? Yes. Yes, we do. We do. Uh, as you mentioned, the, the shift is clear. I mean, the majority of the samples that we receive today, PCB2D. So from the pathogenic standpoint, uh the, the, the question that most clinicians ask is why we have more PCV2D than A or B. And I mean, pathogenic-wise, there's nothing that proves that one is more pathogenic than the other. So what we have to think is, well, what is happening with the host? What is happening with the pigs? Are they capable, or the vaccines that we use today are capable to protect all of them at the same level? That's still questionable. I mean, we know that they confer cross-protection. That's, that's not a problem. It's perhaps how much cross-protection they can confer. If you do an homologous, you may have 100%. If you do an heterologous, put in A, charge it with B, you may not get that. So that's where all this starts. We got clients or clinicians requesting for sequences. So my question, what do we do with this data? What type of measurements you take in the farm to approach A, B, or D? So that's something that I I have a hard time to, to see what producers do. I understand epidemiological um, evaluation. You want to see when that new strain has been introduced. You want to see the variation over time. I understand that. But at the end of the day, what this information can help me to take the new approach in my life. So that's that's something that I don't really I, I don't really see happening with this data. Very good. JBI helps swine producers fight against harmful pathogens with the forming power of D7 disinfectant. JBI helps treat or prevent costly outbreaks and assure eco-friendly biosecurity on farm and transport. Safe and effective against PED, PRRS, E. coli, salmonella, and other illness-causing pathogens. D7 is non-toxic 
providing a safer environment for your employees, low corrosive to equipment, and breaks down biofilms. Learn more at jbidistributors.com. Well, Dr. Pinheiro, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing your thoughts on uh, porcine circovirus type 2. Uh, continues to be a, a big opportunity for the industry, even though disease levels are relatively low. Uh, producers invest heavily in control. The vaccines have been very effective, but they're certainly not free, and, and they're one of the more expensive uh, uh, vaccines that we purchase still today. Uh, so I really appreciate your thoughts on uh, how to do di good diagnostic workups for PCB2, where in C2 hybridization could potentially play into those workups, south arm monitoring, and, and hopefully, if nothing else, producers have taken out of this that perhaps there are some diagnostic dollars that are spent on PCB2 that maybe could be redirected towards a more opportunistic use of the of the diagnostics. So really appreciate you coming on and sharing that with us. Thank you for, for, for your invitation. To the audience, thank you very much for listening to the Swine Health Black Belt podcast. If you've not visited our website, please go check that out. It's uh, swinehealthblackbelt.com. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast, and uh, if you enjoy it, please hit the share button. Uh, send it to somebody that uh, you think may benefit from uh, this topic with uh, PCV2 or just from the information in general. Well, for Dr. Pinheiro, I'm Dr. Clayton Johnson. Thank you very much for listening, and please join us again next week. Thanks, and have a great rest of your day. Hey, everyone. We're always searching for the latest and greatest research to share each week. If you have a swine health-related research trial and would like to come on the show to talk about it with me and share it with our audience, feel free to send an email to healthblackbelt@swineit.com, and we would love to take a look at your research.